0: We just announced phase two of our blueprint series, this time dedicated to the CMOs, helping you hit your revenue goals and to become a more confident CMO. To hit your revenue goals and to get your SaaS business to 100 million ARR, you need to be inspired to think differently, get actionable insights into what the world's best are doing to stay ahead of the game and connect with other scale-up CMOs. We're bringing together CMOs from Whereby, TripActions, Talent, HubSpot, Drift, Hop in, Envision, and more on the 30th of March for a four-hour virtual event online, and there's only space for 150 CMOs. There'll be actionable agenda of content where we're giving you the blueprint to be a successful SaaS CMO, the opportunity to network with your peers, and the opportunity to be part of an ongoing community. To grab one of the 150 places, go to sasdoc.com forward slash blueprint CMO. If you're one of the world's nearly 1 billion spreadsheet users, you're likely familiar with the time-consuming effort that goes into formatting, emailing and sharing your spreadsheets. That's exactly why Grid is here to help. Grid is a no-code web tool that transforms your important spreadsheet data into compelling visual narratives and interactive web documents. If you use spreadsheets to construct complex growth models, revenue projections or strategic analysis, GRID will give you your work, that wow factor. GRID lets your team interact with your spreadsheet models, compare scenarios and share them securely in minutes. With GRID, you'll never email another spreadsheet again. Sign up for free at www.grid.is, that's G-R-I-D dot I-S.
1: You start as a startup hoping that anyone would care And then you find people that care and you really get into the problem. And I think early on you almost, it's a good sign when you succeed in spite of your product, not just because of it. You have to be doing something magical. You have to be doing something that really grabs people's attention. But it's when your customer goes, I actually hate this part of your product, but I still have to use it because nobody else is solving this pain point. This pain point really matters. That's when you know you're onto a good thing.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Roly Saxena. I am an operator, investor, and uh, on the board of Culture AMP. It is my pleasure to host this session and, uh, and invite Didier Elzinger, co founder and CEO of, uh, of Culture AMP. Uh, prior to my current role, I've been at LinkedIn in a variety of stages, and I, it's been such a pleasure to see Culture AMP go through go through incredible growth over the last few years. Uh, Didier, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Thank you, Rolly, and hopefully you'll be nicer to me in this than you are on my board. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thrilled to actually have a chance to talk about this because these are the sorts of things that you and I geek out on um, as we plot the trajectory of CultureAmp. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know who I am or who we are, um, I'm Didier Elzinger. I'm the CEO and founder at CultureAmp. Um, CultureAmp has been the last 10, 11 years of my life. Prior to that, I spent 13 years in film, working for Hollywood. And for us at culture Amp, the mission that we have is to create a better world of work. And we wanna do that. We wanna amplify the experience and the impact that over a hundred million people can have. And the way that the world that we're in right now, and you think about the last year and everything that's happened, just how important people and culture is and how important it is not just to business success, which it is absolutely, but also to the lives we all live as individuals. And so culture, Coltramp, that's really what we, what we focus on. So this concept of what does it mean to be a disruptor, which is what we were at the start, and then what does it mean to try and build a category, which is really what we're thinking about now, um, it's good timing.
2: It is great timing, but that said, a lot of people I'm sure who are listening to this talk are not quite, uh, I'm, I'm figuring out whether they're ready to have that conversation. So uh, did you, Rewind back and think about the early days of Culture Amp. Uh, at what point did you really start thinking? Did you start thinking about being a category creator right from the start, or or were there signals that you were looking for during that uh, during your journey?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's. A, I think about this in hindsight. Um, we didn't start to create a category. I mean, at some level, definitely focused on changing an industry or changing a space. I, as a CEO, was looking at the the HR software that was available to me, going, this stuff's horrible. (laughs) There's got to be something better, but something that I care about so much. Why isn't there better software? And we actually started the company focused on what was then more of a performance management challenge and looking at what other people were doing, and we didn't think it was very good. We built, built a whole bunch of stuff, had customers, but couldn't get the traction that we wanted. And at the time, we sort of stepped back and went, okay, maybe we're attacking this problem the wrong way. Like rather than trying to focus on individual feedback, maybe we should be focusing on organizational feedback. And we made the switch and we started thinking about how do we help organizations understand what matters to their people and take action on it. And when you think about category, the thing that was really fascinating at the time was that that was a pre-existing problem. People knew what employee engagement was. They were trying to solve that problem and we could help them solve it in a new way. And that's when we really took off. And so for the first, say, four or five years, we definitely didn't want to be bound to what employee engagement was, but we weren't sitting down trying to think about what the category was per se. We were just trying to help customers solve a problem and trying to do it better than, than others had in the past.
2: That's actually a really good segue to the next question I have, which is, which is if you know, not, you know, over the years, you know, as you've sort of thought about, I'm sure you've thought about, is this the right time that we should be thinking about creating a category or or not, right? Mm-hmm. And so were there, were there signals that you were looking for in the, uh, in, in how the business was performing or how you were sort of hearing from your customers that said, yes, now this is the time for us to think about creating a category or or, uh, you know, just continuing to focus down very, you know, in in, in building a real great solution.
1: Yeah, I think it's 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 such a it's a, a fascinating journey in the sense that you start as a startup hoping that anyone would care and then you find people that care and you really get into the problem. And I think early on, you almost it's a good sign when you succeed in spite of your product, not just because of it, you have to be doing something magical. You have to be doing something that really grabs people's attention. But it's when your customer goes, "I actually hate this part of your product, but I still have to use it because nobody else is solving this pain point." This pain point really matters. That's when you know you're onto a good thing. That's the whole product market fit piece. And so when we were, you know, early on, we were really in that, like, "How, how can we solve this? How can we, how can we improve it?" And if we go to like the Clayton Christensen concept of um, disruptive innovation, often what you're looking for is that you're trying to disrupt on an axis that the existing market doesn't think is important. And for us uh, at Culture, that was actually um, largely user experience. And so, you know, there were people that had really strong people science backgrounds, but the surveys were awful to use. There were people that were building quite nice software, but it had no people science background. And for us, it was the combination of the two that was really a compelling play in the space. And you go down that and you start getting more customers and you start getting more usage. And then if you're doing it right, those customers start going, we want to use you for this. We want to use you for that. Why can't we use you to do this? We have these all these products over here that we'd love to replace with something like you. And that's where the category thing comes in because you can't do everything. And so you have to stop and say, well, okay, what does tomorrow look like that's different to today? And where should we place our bets? And how do we lead that? How do we make that something new and different? And I remember probably four or five years ago um, being introduced to Al Ramadan who wrote Play Bigger. And he he, he and, and two others wrote this book about category creation and he sort of talked about it. And I can't remember if this was his definition or just my interpretation, but he said like a category is a, is a collective term for more than a billion dollars in expenditure. So it's something that people are agreeing across a whole bunch of companies to spend money on. And the really um, exciting, challenging, horrifying part of it is to, to be successful, you have to convince people to spend money they've already got for something else. And then to create a category, you actually have to get them to change the name of the thing they're spending the money on. And that's quite a, a fascinating thing to start thinking about. What will the future look like that's different to today?
2: Yeah, so that that so play Big, bigger was one of those books that uh you know that I thought was really interesting in terms of how it defines and talks about several other cases, including Salesforce, how Salesforce really ended up, uh, you know, going from a world with, you know, CRM was a thing before, like you had companies like Siebel and others, mm. but they really created a new category with, with software as a service, right? So the whole version, the entire category around SaaS, which this, this conference is all about, really, really started with, with them and how they really went about doing it. But I think what really um, stood out to me and consistently what I've seen in other companies is exactly what you said. You need to be able, to, as a company, need to really look for that signal of product market fit. Is your product solving that big pain point that the customer is willing to live with some of the inefficiencies and wait for you to go fix those deficiencies? But your pro, you know, the alternative of not having using your product is far worse. So I think that's really, really, really uh, powerful. How would you say, um, you know, along with sort of that product market fit, is there an element? Of community, that mm. really, really drives. Because I, I mean, I'm always fascinated to see how how culture amp has built this amazing community. Would you like to share a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, you talked about Salesforce, which I think is you know one of the classic definitions of category creation and also community building. Um, Dreamforce was a thing before Salesforce was a thing, really. If you think about it, like from the very beginning, Mark is a Mark Benioff is a genius at that, and you look at their ability to take that, you know, passionate consumer, passionate audience, and have it help define the whole space. And so, when I reflected on it, at Culture Amp, we created the community early on, not necessarily because we were trying to build a category, but because we were from Australia, we had an audience in the US, and we were trying to find ways to connect. And it w- goes back to the mission. Like what we wanted to do was take all of these ideas about how to improve businesses, how to run them along people science and organization development, DEI and so on, and make that available. And so for us, it was, we have to bring people together to talk about this. We wanted to talk to anyone who cared about the problem, even if they weren't a customer. But now I look back and I realize that that's such an important part when you're starting to get into trying to think about what a category could be. Because as you said, you have to get product market fit. If you don't get product market fit, don't don't waste your time worrying about categories. Get product market fit. But once you have product market fit, then you have to sit down and say, well, we have this group of engaged people, what can we do with them? And where can they take us? Because it's not just you, you're really like a a coming together for those. And I think what what Salesforce showed and and certainly our journey too, is community has to be more than just a funnel. Like you actually have to be willing to invest in it as something that is bigger than just your customers. And it's really around coalescing around the problem. And then when you get to the, the category creation part, that's one of the key planks that you build to start sitting down saying, Okay, let's all paint a picture of tomorrow that's different to what it was in the past.
2: Exactly. Uh, As as one of my mentors would always say your community can actually create a movement that's bigger than who you are. And, And so if you've got, if you've got that strong product market fit, and you have this community of really uh, loyal champions who are actually willing to go up to the rooftop and shout from the, you know, from from the rooftop, saying amazing things about you. That those two are really strong, uh, strong indications of, uh, of, you know, you're ready. You're ready to create a market. Um, that actually leads me to the next question, which would be, uh, if a CEO is just about starting to think about think about category creation. Uh, What would be a couple of tactical advice in terms of infrastructure they need to start building within their companies in terms of whether it's organizational structure and so on and so forth, so that they get ready for building a category?
1: I think one thing that's impossible to understate when you're thinking about category creation is product marketing. So product marketing is important regardless. But if you're going to try and really do the work around category creation, then product marketing is critical. So, you know, have you developed that yet as a company? Is that something you're investing in? How does that fit with the other things that you're doing? Um, It really needs to stand on its own if you're going to do this successfully. So I think that's a a really important point. And given that category creation is often there, you know, every once in a while, someone will come out and, and potentially create a category from the beginning. But, 99 out of 100 times, what tends to happen is you evolve the category, you get there, you're out in front, you're the leader, you're the one that created the space and people start looking to you to define where it's going. And so one of the the big challenges I think as a CEO is that you have to be willing to take risks and to transcend the situation you're in now. So you kind of have to go back to the early days of the vision that is something that a lot of people will look at and go, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. or that's not believable. I mean, the number of times when I was building culture, I the people were like, no one will want that. No one will want to buy it. It's not a market. The buyers don't care. All of these things that people tell you along the way. And you get to say 50 or 100 million in revenue and you think no one's ever going to say that again. And that's true if you play it safe. But if you actually want to build a category, you actually have to take the viewpoint that you have now. You have to look back over all the stuff you've learned and you have to be willing to paint a different picture. And that's actually quite challenging and it requires you to kind of reset the vision. And so all of those skills that maybe you thought you didn't need anymore (laughs) now come back again Mm -hmm. if you start thinking about category. And like, when I think about CultureAmp and how we think about category, I mean, we started as an employee engagement platform. And then we, uh, even though we really started as an individual developer platform, we pivoted to an employee engagement platform we ended up bringing individual development back in and so now we're this full stack platform we help people collect data anywhere in the employee experience we help them bring that data together and understand you know what matters to their people deliver insight and then the thing that's driving me and the thing that i think will sort of underpin the category of the future is how do we actually drive the change in behavior and mm-hmm. when we talk about it internally we sort of realize that we look back and what we're trying to do now is actually built on stuff that was much longer than even the life of the company. So it's this idea of literacy and, and how you help equip companies to solve problems. So you go back, bear with me, is a high concept piece, but it's when you're thinking about the categories, you kind of got to set the context. The thing that made most companies successful over the last, say, 50, 60 years was financial literacy, their ability to use an understanding of numbers and money to run a better business. And then you could see that what flowed beyond that was customer literacy. So how could you use an understanding of your customer and data about your customers to build a better business? And I would say that the last 10, 15 years has largely been about digital or technological literacy. And the companies that embraced that succeeded and the companies that didn't failed. And what we think now, what we think is gonna be the underpinning of the category going forward is that human literacy is actually the new frontier. How your people show up, how you create the environment for them to interact with each other how we all work in a world where we're all working from home, this is the underpinning of the future and, and what will make for a successful company. And that's where the category is going to be built because the tools that are needed to build a human literate company are different to the tools that we thought we needed 15 years ago. This is not a talent management suite anymore. This is something totally different. But I wouldn't have been able to have that conversation 10 years ago. I wouldn't have even had that mental model. It's only because we've gone on that journey with the audience and with our customers, and that's what they tell us that's given us that opportunity to start to see that. And so going forward for us, it's how do you help drive behavior change at scale? How do you help make managers successful so that HR can be successful too? That makes a lot of sense. Have you, um, as you sort of,
2: you know, as you're thinking about product, product marketing, I heard, you know, an element of really sort of educating and creating sort of awareness within within your Industry and just sort of shifting the dynamic and mental model. Um, what I, what have you thought in terms of certain tools that you could have that you're thinking about deploying within 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 your uh, customer base? Whether it is based on the maturity of the customers, or maturity of where the industry is moving, have uh, just curious to hear your thoughts in terms of like tactically if if a CEO is thinking about helping the mm. company go through that journey.
1: Uh, I think you you just hit it there when you talk about a maturity model. And I know that you and I have had this conversation before about like LinkedIn and other companies that I think have done this well. And it's where we see ourselves now too, which is when you think about a lot of our customers are using the Qualtramp platform to drive a people analytics um, approach. And there's a certain model of people analytics maturity. And our insight is that it's not just no data, better data, lots of data, lots of great answers. It doesn't actually work that way. The hard part is how do you turn the data into behavior change? What's the gap between what we're doing and whether or not it's working? So the behavior change and ROI gap is a real challenge in people analytics. And so when you wanna build a category, you've gotta be able to sit down and say, where are people on this journey? And how do we help them on that journey to the next stage? So we've found that idea of being able to come up with a maturity model. And I think the insight, once you have the maturity model, is that the tendency is to go straight to put all your effort into taking people that don't know or don't want to do the thing and get them to do it. Whereas let's take people in culture. We don't spend any time trying to convince people why they should use a platform like CultureAmp because there's a huge number of people that already are and they're on that journey. They want to make change. And so our job is to help them be successful. You do that, the others will come eventually. You don't want to spend all your time trying to convince those people that don't want to do it to do it. If you've got enough people that are already on the journey so the maturity model is a really valuable tool i think
2: yeah uh so DJ, you make it sound really um really easy and i know we're kind of running out of time but let me let me ask you this one one last question on if there are roadblocks and things that people should be thinking ahead of time you know the stumbling blocks what would some of those be as they think about creating a category
1: oh There's so many. (laughs) Um,
2: Pick pick two or three.
1: Yeah. I I think probably the one I would call out, and this is not necessarily to help people, but just to help people feel okay when they hit them. um, Naming things is really hard. And so, you know, you get in there and go, well, what category are you in? And everybody expects that's an easy answer. You go talk to analysts, you go talk to your customers, you go talk to everyone in the company. No one will agree. And then you'll come up and say, okay, we think we're in this category. So CultureAmp, we spend a lot of time working inside the employee experience category. What does that mean? Everybody has a different definition. And I think, Rolly, you and I have talked about this before. It's very easy to end up with a category definition that's too big. And what we're talking about today is being a category leader, not a broad title that lots of people, not an industry. And so I think just telling people, naming things is part of the balance because you've got to find that word that people will, when they think that, they think you. Salesforce and CRM are synopsis. If You're going to be a category leader. They've got to think of you, um, but it's really, really hard, and it takes time. It literally takes years to get to the thing that you can anchor on and that you know is yours. So that'd be the biggest one, naming.
2: <laughs> I would. I would agree. You actually said two of them, which is naming, and you know, I think the biggest one that I've also seen is. If you have something that's really broad, if you define your category to be really broad, it actually isn't a category. To your point, it is a industry, and yeah. uh, and being able to have that level of it's it's a balance. Have the right right level of definition that actually allows you to have allows you to have the space to build a salute, build a platform, but not not so vague that it becomes uh, diluted. So with that. Thank you so much. I know we were up on time. This was very, very helpful. I know this is a lot of our conversations we have in the board meeting, uh, but really appreciate you sharing it with, with the rest of the audience.
1: Thank you for doing this with me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming sasdoc conferences around the world.